All right, tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue going down our, our Bible teaching, and tonight's message is on Proverbs. You know, Proverbs is this book, it's about 31 chapters. You know, it, it follows Psalms that some say that if you read three Psalms a day and you read a proverb a day, you know, your, your relationship with God and the wisdom that God has to, to give you would help you on your daily walk. But Proverbs is a bunch of short little sayings that offer wisdom. You know, King Solomon was considered a man of wisdom, that he, he prayed for God to give him wisdom to be able to lead his people. So many of these are attributed to him, but not all of them. <clears throat> you know, he because he asked to lead Israel well, that he wanted wisdom. So as you read through this book, you know, it helps you to gain wisdom. You know, wisdom is a skill or an applied knowledge. You know, it's something practical. You know, Proverbs 3, 7 states that if you, you know, submit your ways to the Lord and acknowledge Him in all that you do, that He's going to, to make your, your path straight. You know, the purpose of this book is to develop practical skills to live well in God's world, in God's way. You know, and how do we do that? How do we, you know live in this crazy world God's way. You know, I remember many years ago as God was moving on me and people were talking about fear the Lord. And I did not understand it. I did not understand what the fear of the Lord really meant. You know, and, you know, I'm supposed to, God's supposed to love me and I'm supposed to love God, but that I'm supposed to be afraid of Him. You know, and so I'm thinking like, you know, am I supposed to be afraid of His wrath? Is He going to send me to hell as all the religious people have been trying to do since I was a young kid, you know, so, you know, I, I really struggled with this, you know, verse, you know, later on, I learned that it was a verse in Proverbs 9, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And I remember, you know, as I was growing, you know, and trying to figure out my relationship with God, and, and he was moving on me in a powerful way, like, it was overwhelming, because, I went from really getting wasted and, and, and chasing sin, you know, and doing all the crazy things that you've heard many of the stories of things that I've done, you know, and, you know, all of a sudden he rips me out of addiction, you know, and things begin to shift. You know, I end up back at church, you know, I make these decisions that I'm going to, you know, try to figure out Jesus and stay sober. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get sober. I'm going to do whatever it takes this time. Where before, I, I always kind of just tried to get sober. I always did the bare minimum. I always, you know, was there because somebody wanted me to be there. Either mom sent me to rehab or probation or the judge or someone was, you know, forcing me into recovery. You know, and I never really wanted it for myself. You know, and so I'd always... Do just enough to get through the day, basically. But I never did enough to try to, to really change the man that I was. You know, because my thinking is crazy. You know, my heart was wicked. You know, my actions were deceitful. You know, everything that I did was to chase my, my carnal desires. That it was either getting wasted or getting laid. That's all I did. That's all I cared about. My first thoughts of the day, my last thoughts of the day, is how I consume sin. You know, and, 
you know, and they always tell us that, you know, you get sober, you go to meetings, you go to rehab, you do this, you do that. But it was really just abstinence for me. You know, I was abstaining. There was no change. And because there was no change, I always found myself going back. Whether I had three months, six months, a year, 16 months was the most that I got. You know, and something wasn't changing on the inside of me. There was all this pain, all this brokenness. You know, and so I was I was coming to this place of surrender. You know, and I'm trying to find freedom in Christ. And I'm trying to, to go to church. And I'm reading my Bible. And, you know, I'm doing my best, but yet something's still missing. You know, and I remember, you know, God was starting to really move. You know, and it was freaking me out. You know, Holy Spirit's moving on me. I would be crying one minute. You know, I'm, you know, having the hairs on my arms stand up. The hairs on my back and my neck are standing up. You know, people are telling me the Holy Spirit's here. And I'm seeing people act really weird. And I'm like, I hope I don't catch whatever the heck they got. You know, like, like. I can't believe this is going to be my life. You know, I'd hang out with Christians and they're like super weird and do stupid stuff and say weird things. And they talk to people in public about Jesus. And I'm like, don't do that crap around me. Like, like I'm like, it's just a miracle. I'm here. Please don't tell the world that I'm trying to be a Christian. You know, it was like, you know, there's this identity crisis in me, you know, like, and I remember as like things were shifting and I'm trying to figure out things that Christians are saying and a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, and I remember like God was really starting to show me he was real. And I remember that first opportunity to really step in the wrong direction. You know, this girl basically was trying to, to seduce me and she propositioned me. In, in a way that no one would have found out. And I remember my brain just racing. And I remember resisting that and saying, I got to get out of here. And then later on, the Lord showed me that's the fear of the Lord. Because if I would have entered into sin with that woman at that moment, everything that was going right in that moment in my life would have shifted and I instantly would have started going the other way. And because I wanted what God was doing in my life so much, and I wanted to change the, the resisting of sin, I knew that, that God would have backed up from me. And I was struggling with the fact that God even wanted to come into my life because I was such a wretched sinner. You know, I, I struggled with forgiveness, and I struggled with understanding, and I struggled with God's love, and I thought I had to earn forgiveness, and I had to work for all these things. And people are telling me about grace, and I'm like, I don't understand that. But in that moment, you know, the Holy Spirit moved on me in a situation that I never would have made that decision prior to that. There never would have been a day that I would have said no. And because I said no, and I chose God in that moment, he showed me that that's the fear of the Lord. Because the second that I let sin back in, God gets backed up. Now, it doesn't mean that God goes anywhere. But in my mind and in my heart, I've placed God behind sin again. You know, and then takes repentance and then, you know, 
On top of repentance, I have to forgive myself, which is usually the hardest part that I, I struggle with the condemnation. I struggle with not being worthy. I struggle with the shame. I struggle with I have to earn it and all these works that I have to perform to get back to where I once was that, you know, I had peace for the first time. You know, the presence of God is moving on me. You know, I'm like church is starting to be a little bit more normal. Maybe I'm just getting weirder. I'm not really sure, you know, and we have to embrace that, you know, that we have to realize that if I continue to sin in the ways that I've sinned before Jesus, then I'm preventing Jesus to really clean house in me and I'm preventing him from really doing a deep work in my heart and renewing my mind because I'm still saying that I need sin to satisfy me and God isn't able to satisfy me now there's a process we're growing in this we're growing in this understanding you know but as we embrace God's path on God's terms in God's way through God's word we begin to see this completely different way to live that it's not about rules and regulations and religion that he's showing us that he wants this relationship with us that he's gone to crazy lengths to get our attention you know, and we see over and over again through the Bible how men have strayed away from God's path and, and all the pain comes right back. You know, and those that really seek God find this path through life that's filled with grace and wonder. You know, it's difficult sometimes because God's ways are inconvenient. You know, there's times that God's going to ask us to do or to not do that's against what we want to do or not want to do. You know, and if we embrace God making our life inconvenient, we're going to see how he makes all these things begin to fall into place that we've tried so hard to do on our own strength and that they don't fall into place. You know, how many times have I tried to get the job or get the education or get the girl you know, get the money, and it's like, it's always like, it's right at the the end of your fingertips, you can't really grab it, and the second that you grab it, it's like it squirts out of your hand, and you lose it all over again, and it's like, we finally think that we've arrived, and all of a sudden, it falls apart again, because we're we're trying to do it our way, we're trying to, to manifest our will, and God has this other plan for our lives, where he's trying to show us that there's this completely other path that we did not even know existed. Like doing things God's way is completely foreign to me. You know, that God's kingdom is like upside down and backwards. And the second that you think it out, think, think you figured it out, it flips again. Why? Because you need this relationship with him and you need to be obedient to him and you need to listen to his voice and apply his word and the second we get God in the box, the box disappears. You know, the second we figure we, we got it figured all out, and this is, you know, the method, this is how we're going to get what we want in Jesus' name, all of a sudden the bottom of the box falls out. You know, so, you know, here's this book of Proverbs. You know, it starts with, you know, it's a father kind of counseling or, or speaking to his son about things that are good. You know, and he's giving instruction. 
you know, that wisdom creates the fear of the Lord, which, you know, brings virtue and integrity that you begin to succeed and you have peace. But if you pursue sin, you know, folly and pain and selfishness and pride and ruin and shame are to follow. You know, if you follow God's way, that he brings peace. If you follow your own way, ruin and shame begins to come. See, this is just one of, you know, the books in the Bible that are considered a wisdom book or wisdom literature. You know, how do we live God's way in this crazy world? You know, and it's learning to apply God's wisdom to our situations. However, you know, the book of Proverbs is not like the law and it's not necessarily prophetic. However, if we apply it, you know, it keeps us out of trouble and sometimes the things begin to prophesy and bring things to us, but that's not always exactly how it, it takes place because these are our insights from God's people over generations of what works and what doesn't work. You know, but it doesn't always mean that if I do exactly this, if I get the method, if A plus B does not always equal C. Because there's times that we try to put God back in the box and that says, well, this and this says this. And we start trying to organize certain things to, to fit our, our will. And then all of a sudden things get, you know, adjusted in God's way. That, the book of Proverbs references wisdom as a woman, that she's a, a lady and that she is to be sought after. You know, there's all these poems that, that contribute wisdom to this lady, that we're to call out to her, that we're to seek her, that we are to have her woven into everything that we do. You know, that when we make wise decisions, that she is the one that influenced us. You know, and it's this poetic, you know, references, you know, and this isn't normal in, you know, Israel, in, in Jewish heritage, you know, that they don't reference women in this way, you know, although we were talking about judges, you know, many weeks ago that Deborah was a judge and she was leading Israel, you know, and then we, we talked about Esther, you know, we've talked about Ruth and Naomi, but typically women aren't placed real high in this culture. So the fact that Solomon and, and some of the other writers are, are referencing wisdom as a woman, you know, it's, it's very different from what you read in many of the other scriptures. You know, but as we seek out wisdom, that we find ourselves being generous. We find ourselves being sexually pure. We find ourselves having integrity. We find ourselves upholding justice. We begin to rely on her. We rely on wisdom. You know, and proverb is not just good advice. You know, it's this invitation to learn wisdom. And from these generations of, you know, godly men and women, through the years that have watched how, you know, if we allow certain sin into our life, it takes us in this direction. If we begin to practice what God is saying in these ways, it takes us in that direction. You know, so it's this book of these practical, you know, 
advice and wisdom that as we address our, you know, our situations, there is over a hundred different things that Proverbs is, is addressing. And here's just a few that there's Proverbs on family. There's Proverbs on work. There's Proverbs on poverty. There's Proverbs on generosity, marriage, friendship, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, justice, speech, or speaking too much, your character. And it's all filtered through this value system of following God and doing things God's way in a very corrupt world. You know, and it's, it's crazy to me because when we see in the scripture how they're talking about all the different tribes that are around them that are bringing corruption, they're not facing anything like what we're facing today as far as sin and temptation is concerned. Like they don't have computers in their hands. They don't go home to 50-inch screen TVs. They don't go home to, you know, all this stuff that's thrown at us day in and day out, you know. But as we apply Proverbs, as we apply wisdom to our lives, that we begin to see how he takes us through a corrupt world, a fallen world, this world that we live in, and we can find God's path in each and everything that we do. You know, he, he shows us that there's a way that if we don't fear the Lord, that the, that pain and sin and ruin and shame, all these things begin to come back in because we're saying that I can do whatever I want and it doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what leadership says. It does, I don't need accountability. I don't need this. I don't need that. I'm going to do what I want. And it goes back to what we're, we're talking about in Judges is everybody just did what was right in their own eye. Where if I just do what I think is best all the time, I'm going to find myself in places that I, I wish that I didn't go. You know, but this isn't a formula. You know, Proverbs aren't this formula for success. That if I add this verse to this verse or this proverb to this proverb, then, you know, if I stack all the, the proverbs on money and I begin to re- recite them, then all of a sudden my bank account's going to grow. Like, that's not how this works. You know, <clears throat> see, Proverbs aren't necessarily promises. They are, however, practical knowledge that when we apply it, that we become more wise in the things that we do, even if they don't go our way. You know, as we follow God, things kind of go sideways on us sometimes. You know, just because we have Jesus doesn't mean it's all going to be rainbows and cotton candy and, and clouds. Like, just because I got sober doesn't mean I'm going to be riding the pink cloud all the time. Like, life is still life. You know, we have to to show up. You know, some of us, you know, we have debt. Some of us have a lot of debt. Some of us have crazy things that we got to sort through. Some of us have family stuff that we got to sort through. Some of us have, you know, all these consequences, you know, legal stuff. It's just seems like it's never-ending. But as we, we surrender ourselves to God, you know, and we stay sober, and that we grow in our relationship with Him, we're reading our Word, we're trying to figure this stuff out, we're getting around people that are going in the right direction, all of a sudden these things begin to, to fall into place and get sorted through. You know, is it all going to happen exactly the way we want it to? You know, am I going to get instant gratification in Jesus' name? No. You know, we can pray for the desires of our heart. You know, but it's still his will and his time and his way. You know, however, the the more that we apply the word to our lives, you know, what begins to change is us. And as we change, we stop creating consequences, a path 
you know, begins to straighten. We're not getting ourselves in all this mess all the time. We're not running and hiding and chasing. We're not getting new things that we are regretting because we're, we're learning that if I do things God's way, that all of a sudden things begin to be more peaceful. You know, and I know for me that my first interaction with peacefulness and I thought it was boredom. You know, so what did I do? I went and caused chaos. And then I get home and I'm like, what did I just do to myself? Like I had peace and then I threw it away for chaos. And I got home and God showed me that, you know, you're looking at boredom when it's really peace because you're addicted to chaos, not just addicted to drugs. You know, I have to have things that are going crazy in my life so I don't have to think. And what God wants me to do is begin to think. He wants me to sort through the craziness that's going through my mind and begin to lay things down at his feet and say, you know what, I'm giving you this. You know what, I'm going to let go of that. You know what, I'm going to forgive this person. You know what, I'm going to forgive myself. You know, and we can't do that as long as we're constantly running and gunning and creating new crazy things. Well, I'm sober today. Well, yeah, I can be sober and still do some crazy stuff. You know, you know just because I, I haven't picked up a drink and a drug doesn't mean I can't create chaos in my life. Just because, you know, I've been celibate doesn't mean that I can't be impure or, or lustful or enter into things that I wish that I didn't. You know, like, just because I, I'm sober and going to church doesn't mean I'm spending my money the right way. Like, there's all these things that, you know, have to be adjusted in our lives. You know, and, and so often we, we minimize it to just sobriety. You know, sober from whatever it is that we are struggling with, whether it's drugs, alcohol, porn, food, lust, gambling, it doesn't matter what it is, fill in the blank, that if I just abstain from that, my life's supposed to be perfect now. That's not true. You know, and so often we set the bar so low that I have so many odd days of, of abstinence, I, I've been sober you know, X amount of time from said thing, and we're expecting that everything's just going to start falling into place. But if I don't work for certain things, things aren't going to take, you know, form in my life. You know, and it's so important that we find the balance between the things that I'm going to do or the things that I need to do or the things I have to do or the things I'm not supposed to do and what God's going to do and his timing in said things. Because so often, you know, we're very impatient. You know, we're so addicted to instant gratification. So when it doesn't happen my way, then I'm just going to help God. Because he doesn't really realize how bad that I want this. You know, and, and if he was really God, then he would understand that he needs to do this right now or I'm going to do that. And he's like, well, if you want that, then you don't want me, so have at it. You know, and then the consequence comes. And then... You know, the shame comes and the ruin comes and the cycle comes. You know, it's, but God, if you would, yeah, if I would be less God, like he wants us to find our satisfaction in him. So he gives us this, this plan. He gives us this purpose. He gives us this, this book. He gives us this Bible that's filled with all sorts of wisdom. That's filled with all sorts of scriptures that that guide our lives and, and show us what happens to men and women that don't follow him 
and through the generations, you know, over and over and over again, you know, we fall on our face when we don't follow God. You know, but we have to realize that that when we apply, you know, his scriptures to our life, that it doesn't always mean that life's going to go the way I think it should. You know, everybody, not everybody, most people know Jeremiah 29.11. You know, I have a purpose and a plan for you, and it is to prosper. Well, everything in Jerusalem at that moment is getting ripped to shreds. Like, let's burn the place to the ground. You know, and it goes on to say that I'm going to exile you into Babylon and that you're going to be there for a while, so you might as well set up camp and build families and get jobs. And, like, that's the complete opposite of what a Jewish man wants to hear. He wants to hear that, you know, Israel is going to be okay, Jerusalem is going to be okay, and that I'm going to have a purpose and a plan here where I want it to be. And God's like, no, it's going to be this way. You know, and there's times that God takes us left, he takes us right, he takes us backwards, and it's like, wait, God, this isn't my plan. This isn't where I want to go. However, when we follow him and we surrender to him, he begins to to guide us. You know, and just to to kind of prove, you know, parts of this, you know, in Proverbs 10.20 says, a fear of the Lord prolongs your life. In Proverbs 22.6, it says to train up a child, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. You know, we've heard these scriptures, especially if you've been in church. You know, some of you grew up as church kids, and you departed from it. So, what happened? You know, and we all know people that believed in Jesus, and their life got cut short. So, just because these things, you know, are in scripture, does that mean that they're false? No, it doesn't mean that they're false. You know, these are proverbs, that these are are ways to have, you know, when we set these, you know, wisdom, morals set in place, that we will have a better, longer life. And if we do raise our kids according to Scripture, that they're going to be more stable in a loving home. But just because we, (laughs) we teach our kids to follow Scripture, but if we're not having a loving home that's stable, they don't see that what we're saying is true. So then they run from it because they think it's false. So if we're not allowing Jesus to work on us, and we're telling our kids to do certain things, that they're like, oh, wait a minute, you're not really living it that way either. you know. So like, each one of us has to respond to Scripture, respond to Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus that... You know, Scripture also says that they'll know us by our love. They'll know us by our fruit. They don't know us because we know how to swing Scriptures at people that don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't know us how we can thump somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus and send them to hell real quick. That's not what it says. You know, so as we're learning to let Jesus work on us and that we're applying wisdom to our lives, you know, that these promises or these proverbs are not promises. There's no real guarantees in life. You know, that any given day, we can lose friends. We could lose our own life. You know, one of us on the way home tonight could get in a car accident. We're like, wait, what? What just happened? You know, we never know when, you know, that day comes. Only the Lord does. But if we practice these, 
you know, Proverbs. We practice wisdom. We practice scripture. We practice a relationship with God and that we release the expectations to him that we begin to see how he begins to guide us in this, in this life that is generally better than anything that we could come up with. Now, I can only speak for myself, and I could probably speak for some of you, but I can only really speak for myself, that when I lived my way, doing what I wanted, my life was absolute chaos. And then I came to know Jesus, and Jesus was just a means to get sober. But then Jesus became so much more as I realized that it's real, that he's real, that this book comes alive if I actually read it, that he jumps out of the page. How many times have we flipped open our Bible? And maybe we haven't touched it in a while, but we flip it open for the first time in a while, and it's exactly what we need to hear. And even those of us that are reading on a regular basis, we end up reading exactly what we need to hear. It's like God always knows what page we should be on. How does that happen? Because this book is an inspired word of God, that it's considered God's breath, that he's breathing life into us each and every day, each and every time that we pick it up. You know, <clears throat> you know that we see these different books of the Bible and it, and it attacks life from all these different directions. You know, we hear Proverbs and we hear you know, how we can prosper and what happens and what fools look like and what we do and what this and if I drink alcohol and that, you know, there's all these different scriptures. But then we also have books like Job and books like Ecclesiastes that show that sometimes in life we struggle. Sometimes in life there's suffering and there isn't really a real answer for it. You know, if you would have told me as a little kid, you know, that one day God's going to use your pain, I'd be like, I don't care. It doesn't help me now. You know, many of us have said, why this and why that? And why did I have to go through this? And why did this have to happen? Why did I have to grow up that way? And why couldn't my parents be like their parents? And why did I have to grow up poor? And why did I have to be in this school? And why, why, why? You know, we've asked why millions of times. Probably just in this group, if we were to really count them, if there was a way, I guarantee that we'd have a million why questions throughout our lifetime, just for the people in this room. You know, as I surrendered to Christ, and as I allowed him into my pain, and as I allowed my struggles and my suffering and in my circumstances to get put at the foot of the cross, and I begin to learn what his word says about me, and about that, and about those and them, I begin to have this renewal in my mind and this healing in my heart. And now, my whys begin to have faces. You know, why did I get molested as a kid? Because I helped a lot of people out of their sexual abuse. Why did I have to go through abandonment as a child? Because I helped a lot of people that have been abandoned as a child. Why did I have to be addicted? Because I'm helping a lot of people out of addiction. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? God puts me in all these situations. As I let God into my pain, into my circumstances, into my darkest place, he begins to set me in such a situation that someone comes across my, my path that needs to hear what Jesus did for me. And he does the same thing for each and every one of us in this room. You know, the areas that we struggle in and the areas that we're still hiding in are the areas that Jesus wants to use us the most. You know, he wants us to surrender those areas so the enemy doesn't have authority in our lives anymore and that we can proclaim that Jesus set me free from X, Y, Z. It's not that we just got saved and that we said a sinner's prayer and that we go to church on a Sunday that each and every one of us has powerful testimonies 
It's by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb that men and women are added to the kingdom of God. It's not how many scriptures I can throw at an unbeliever and how many times I can swing a Bible and how many times I can give them a headache, how many times I make them feel like crap because they don't have Jesus and how many times I'm going to send them to hell. And how many, no, it's how I love them in their circumstances because Christ first loved me in mine. You know, and it's so important that we learn how to apply biblical wisdom to our lives each and every day. And the more we do it, we realize that God's way is way better. You know, even when we, we do it God's way for a minute and then we kind of touch the water, we're like, whoa, I don't want to do this. Some of us have been doing the right thing for a minute and then we let something in and we're like, how it brings chaos and pain and shame and ruin, just like the, the Proverbs say it will. You know, so if I apply God's word to my life, it brings blessing and prosperity and healing and restoration, transformation. You know, that it doesn't just happen overnight. Sometimes we have to, to be putting one foot in front of the other for a minute. You know, I've been sinning like a crazy man since I was like five years old, probably even before. You know, my first memories of going in the store as a kid is stealing stuff. How many of us have similar memories? Our memories are painful. Our, our first memories, my first memory is a painful memory. You know, our memories are filled with shame and pain and ruin. And we rehearse these things over and over and over in our mind that we need our mind to get renewed according to the Word of God. That how do I bring Jesus into these dark places? You know, that I, I begin to apply wisdom. I begin to apply scriptures. I begin to apply wisdom to my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, I get a little bit away from the pain and the shame. You know, I remember hearing an AA for the first time, quit creating a past that you pay for. Like, what the hell does that even mean? It's like, don't go out every day creating chaos in your life and wondering why you feel overwhelmed and anxious and, and shameful. It's like, take a day off. Just try to behave. I'm like, can you do that? Like, I don't know how to be a goody two-shoes. Like, most of us have been breaking the rules since we were little kids. So if somebody comes at us with, like, this is the book of rules, and if you follow it, then you won't get in trouble. Like, we're screwed. I'm screwed. I can't speak for you. Yes, I can. You're screwed. Like, we don't follow rules. If there's not something deeper going on inside of us, if there's not this powerful relationship with Jesus that's healing our broken hearts, and giving us the strength to resist sin and resist temptation and say no, then if it's about rules, we will fail 100% of the time. You know, there's thousands of years of, of men and women trying to follow the law, and it didn't work. And Jesus comes back and be like, it's about relationship. And they're like, kill that guy. <laughs> you know, if we're making about it rules, then we're looking at it wrong. It's through our relationship with Christ that he begins to heal the brokenness and that we begin to apply scriptures even when we don't understand it completely. You know, what does it mean that every weapon formed against you shall not prosper? Like, I have no idea. But you know what? I'm going to start praying that thing because it feels like every day I'm attacked. You know, there's things in this word and there's things that Christians tell us that if we just start doing them, that we're applying the wisdom of the generations before us, 
that all of a sudden things start to fall in line. You know, I remember being a baby Christian and I started saying, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And he started showing me all this stuff in my life that I needed to change and I'd get pissed off. And then later on, I read through, you know, Psalms 139. It says, God, take everything that's out of my, in my relationship with you, or everything that's in the way of my relationship with you out of the way and have my heart. I'm like, whoa, that's a scripture. Like if we let the Holy Spirit influence us, all of a sudden, certain scriptures start to pop out. You ever been praying something a certain way and then you trip across it in the Word? Like, wow, that's a scripture. I would get super excited because I thought that I was holy. You know, because God was moving and I was hearing him and he was showing me what to pray and he was showing me what to say. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that's actually in the book. That's pretty amazing. You know, I remember, you know, after I got saved and I'm reading through the big book and I'm like, faith without works is dead. The Bible stole that from the big book. And then I realized, like, uh, I think the Bible's a little older than the big book. You know, that people are getting sober every day on a book, even when they deny Jesus, that's filled full of Proverbs and filled full of Scripture, and they're applying it because the Bible tells me that the Word of God does not come back void. So I apply these principles to my life, and my life begins to change. You know, and everybody gets all upset because people don't have Jesus. Well, I know for me, as an atheist, and I prayed my first prayer, I sought out Wicca and I sought out New Age stuff. It took me four years before I ended up in the church. I didn't want anything to do with religion. And that's what I thought Jesus was. And then I showed up at the church because I was broken. And someone invited me. So if you know anybody that's really struggling, say, hey, do you want to come to church? And it might be their time. You never know. You don't have to explain everything. Just be like, hey, do you want to come? Because if she didn't ask me that day, who knows where I'd be? I know that I was hopeless and broken. And I had an understanding of God, but it wasn't working because I didn't understand God. You know, but as I came to church and I started learning and I started applying and I started, you know, letting people teach me, all of a sudden my life began to change and transform. And it completely blew my mind that this Jesus stuff is more than just going to church. That he's alive, that he's living, that he wants to interact with us, that he wants to consume us. He wants to change us. He wants to love us. And he's written this love letter to us, which we call the Bible. And as we begin to learn it and pray it and read it and study it, our lives begin to be transformed. And even better yet, the crazy things that go on between our ears begin to change. You know, when I first came to Christ... My mind was an absolute mess. I was angry. I was depressed. I was anxious. I thought about girls inappropriate. I was perverted. I was lustful. I wanted this. I wanted that. Gimme, 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 gimme. Nothing was ever enough. I was this black hole. Nothing could fill me. And then after Jesus, he's starting to show me, like, Tom, it's not about you and not about what you want. Watch as these things begin to shift, if you lay down this and trust me here and apply that and don't do this and start doing that and go over here and don't go over there, all of a sudden my life began to change. You know, the book of Proverbs has wisdom for practical living in every aspect of our life, in every season. 
you know, Proverbs starts with a father talking to his son, you know, in, in how to be a good man. And Proverbs ends with a mother talking to her, his, her son on how to find a good woman who lives wisely as well in God's world. You know, that there's Proverbs for each and every one of us. You know, I guarantee if we went home tonight and just flipped open Proverbs, even if we didn't start at the beginning, just flipped it open and started reading one chapter, we would see how God's starting to talk to us. You know, and, you know, I know that there's different Bible plans. And one that I've read in the past, you know, you're reading three Psalms and a proverb every day. You know, and you're getting a little bit of a relationship with God and you're getting a little bit of wisdom. And, and, you know, there's been morning meditations and there's other things, you know. You know, I just encourage you to spend time in God's Word, wherever you're at. You know, for me, I like Bible plans. You know, it helps me stay focused and my OCD likes checking off boxes. You know, and it helps me progress because I, I, I can wander and then I, I don't finish anything and I just bebop around. And God can still move in that way. But I think that it's important that we're studying, we're learning. What's this about? What's this? What's that? Who's saying this? Who's he saying it to? What time frame was it in? You know, the more that we study it, all of a sudden God's word begins to come alive. And we begin to see how how much bigger it is than just a book. So I just really encourage you. You know, if you're not reading, you know, please see me. I'll get you a Bible plan. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you a Bible. You can have this one. You know, this one is free to a good home for anyone that wants one. You know, and you're welcome. Have a Bible. It's so important that we're reading. You know why? Because our mind's a mess and we need God's word to begin to make sense of the darkness and bring in to shine a light. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are showing us how real you are. Lord, help each and every one of us grow with you, grow in our understanding with you, growing in our relationship with you, helping us to, to live a life of wisdom and not of ruin and pain and shame as we have so many years. Lord, help us to trust your word. Help us to trust that it's true. Help us to trust that it's real. Help us to trust that it's warnings. Help us to trust that it's promises and blessings. Help us to live by its principles. But most importantly, help us to grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.